Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hello, listeners. Before I start this episode, I want to give a bit of an update and an explanation. If you're a keen listener of Nighttime, you probably realize this episode, covering the disappearance of then three-year-old Dylan Ehler, was originally posted several months ago. Well, originally, this was planned to be a singular episode covering Dylan's story, all told by his father, Jason Ehler. But what I didn't expect was that Jason would share such sharp criticism of Dylan's grandmother's role in the disappearance. This told me that there's clearly two sides that need to be heard in this story. And as such, my coverage of Dylan's disappearance will be expanded into a multi-part series. An all-new Part 2 will be released in the coming days. But for those of you who want to revisit or simply miss Part 1, what will follow is a slightly revised version of that original episode that will end with a transition into the upcoming follow-up episode that will be released shortly. Now let's get to it. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners. There's something you'll probably notice if you scroll through the nearly 200 episodes of Nighttime. I've covered dark and horrific stories from all across Canada, crimes that have affected all colors, creeds, and all walks of life. But there is really just one thing that I shy away from. As a father of two young children, I simply crumble at the thought of harm coming to young children. This episode, perhaps more than any other I've done, was a mental workout to complete. Yet, it's a story that is very important. See, there's a little boy named Dylan that needs all the support he can get. To give some context to how this tragedy played out, in late April of 2020, just after COVID-19 began leading to widespread lockdowns, my province of Nova Scotia was home to the Nova Scotia shooting and arson rampage. Canada's worst act of mass murder. And then, just a short three weeks later, another unimaginable story would bring the province to its knees. The description of three-year-old Dylan Eller is burned into the minds of Churro residents. For over 24 hours, dozens of people from police to neighbors joined in the extensive search for the rosy-cheeked, brown-haired toddler. Churro Police Chief Dave McNeil says it only took seconds for him to disappear from his grandmother's yard. Dylan was at his grandmother's residence on Queen Street playing outside. Uh, his grandmother became briefly distracted and uh, turned around for a moment and when she turned back, uh, Dylan was no longer in the yard. Police arrived on scene within a few minutes after 911 was called. The search and rescue operation quickly evolved and an extensive range of resources was called in. From the canine unit to ground search and rescue and air surveillance by helicopter. And then on Wednesday night. We found a rubber boot belonging to Dylan. It was confirmed by the family that the boot did belong to Dylan. From there we concentrated our efforts with the helicopter and uh, more ground intensive searching in that area and the firefighters then found a boot further down the brook, uh, nearing the mouth of the Salmon River where the two meet. The waterway is near Dylan's grandmother's home. Police say the extensive search has not provided any new clues or information. The news clip you just heard was among the first to share the desperate search 
for three-year-old Dylan Ehler. Yet sadly, despite that clip airing just hours after he went missing, it's still fairly current almost a year later. After disappearing from his grandmother's backyard during a moment of her inattention, the only sign of Dylan that's been found were his two rubber boots, found caught amongst debris in the waterways that flow a short distance from his grandmother's property line. In Dylan's case, another cruel twist is that many of the updates that surround the nearly year-long search don't involve progress being made in locating him. It involves rumors, suspicions, online citizen detectives, ransom demands, and a cyberbullying case presently before the courts. And tonight, we're going to get into all of it. In this episode of Nighttime, we're going to be joined by Dylan's father, Jason Ehler. And our topic is the disappearance of his three-year-old son, Dylan Ehler. So, Jason, so many people in Nova Scotia and around the world at this point know your family's story, but very few have heard directly from you. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. But maybe just to, before we get into it, if you could just set it up and just tell me a bit about about you, Jason. Like, who who are you? What what what's your life like? Um, my life was just like anybody else's life. I you know wake up, I'd go to work, I'd come home, play with the kid. You know, there was nothing out of the ordinary whatsoever. So just a, a typical family. You you've always been in Truro, your family. Um. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, I know you, you, of course, are Dylan's dad. Ashley's Dylan's mom. Tell me a bit about like how about your life and your relationship before Dylan joined you. Just maybe like put some context on this. Like what kind of family was Dylan born into? Um, Dylan was born into a a pretty decent family. I'm loving, caring. I'm always doing things together. Um, he has a, a a sister, so an older sister. She's thirteen. So, so um, yeah, um. I like to say we were just a normal family, loving, caring, always out doing something fun with the kids. What would be a typical a typical day at home? Like I know your your home life would have been probably similar. I have uh, to mine. I have an eight year old and a three year old, so it's always a bit of chaos in my house. Tell me a bit about like what a typical day for the Ellers would have been. You know, before May of twenty twenty, what was what was it like at the house? Before, um, it was always, uh, well, just like yours, it, it was chaos. They were always running around. Dylan um, was the complete opposite of Lily. So Dylan was the hyper, not scared to do anything, keep you on your toes um, with climbing and just, just about anything. Wasn't scared of nothing, was willing to try anything, right? So. Um, yeah, three-year-olds, my three-year-old's the same way. He's a, he's a daredevil and that often leads to, uh, he's, I think he's had two emergency room visits at this point related to, you know, coffee table type mishaps. But, uh, and then having, having the older one, I don't know about you, but our challenge is always like keeping the older one entertained, keeping the younger one entertained. It's just two very different worlds. So it's, yeah, it's like hurting. Um, you got one jealous with the other, or this one's getting more attention than the other. Yeah, yeah. You know, for, there's a big, big difference, right? So Dylan gets all the attention where Lily's older, right? So there's sometimes there's conflicts, and 
kids are kids. Yeah, I get it. What? Uh, so Dylan, um, what, what were his interests? So he was a bit, a, a bit of a nut around the house, as you described. But what, like as a for a young boy, um, mine is very into you know trucks and cars, that sort of thing. What what was Dylan into? He was big in trucks and cars. He was real big in dinosaurs. But he was um, most active. Out, he loved outside. He was he was an explorer. Mm-hmm. Like around, like kind of like in the backyard and stuff at your place. Do you have like kind of a, a, a den for him to go wild? He wants to, he wants to roughhouse and stuff like that. He was big on that, being thrown around, and you know, I'll toss him on the couch, and he'd run back to get tossed on the couch some more. You know, just very uh, word for him, um, just uh, nonstop. Yeah. Handful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, well, a lot of people who know Dylan know the tragedy that has led. Well, the seemingly the tragedy that has led to this mystery surrounding his his disappearance and the now almost one year long search for him. It all seems to start with with Dylan being babysat by either your mom or his mom's mom. I'm just wondering, like, if you can kind of set the scene for, like, what led to him being in her care that day? Were you working, or what was what was the story? Well, we were on the no-contact order because we had got into the domestic violence or the domestic dispute or whatever. You, you and um, Dylan's so mom, Ashley? Yes, so mm-hmm. we got into an argument, and then... Um, um, we had a no contact order for a few days, so I was at my mom's house, and um, Ashley and Dylan was here. And um, anyway, um, that morning Ashley had dropped Dylan off at Dorothy's at around ten ten thirty. Um, I was at my mother's, so I didn't even know. And Dorothy is Ashley's mom. Dorothy is Ashley's mom. Yes, correct. Okay. So I, I didn't even know he was over there. So um, later on that day, um, I started messaging Dorothy around 2, 2.15, wondering um, where uh, Ashley was and they're having fun and where could I pick him up, you know, stuff like that. Because during the domestic um, violence or the domestic um, dispute or whatever, um, I broke Ashley's phone. So I couldn't contact her, so I was messaging Dorothy that uh, afternoon. And uh, no response. Um, I remember waking up that morning, and I was really eager to get him. I was excited. I just wanted to see him, you know, more than ever. Um, but anyway, I I, um, I talked to my mother, and she agreed to having him over. So we went over to pick him up, and that's when I walked into it. Um, I walked into it. So when I showed up, the cops were already there. I jumped out of the car. And I was like, um, I'm just here to get a phone number. If Ashley's here, I'm not uh, not here to, you know, get in any trouble. I had no idea what was going on. And then the blonde-haired police officer told me, "Well, your son's missing." Um, and that's that's when it hit me hard. You know, that's I walked right into it. Had no idea. And Dylan being at Ashley's mom, Dorothy's house, was that an unusual thing? Or was that a place he spent a lot of time at? He spent some time there, yeah. Um, anytime uh, she would take Lily, Dylan would be with her. Okay. So. so you show up there, the police are there, 
you I'm assuming you're told, you know, away from the house, what's going on? Your your son is missing. At, at what point do you get the story as to what happened? Because I'm, I'm certain you must have been like, well, what the hell happened? Um, the story was um, she turned away for a brief second to tie a dog and he was gone, you know, and to try to wrap that around your head. You know, that's too fast in my in my mind. And, and you were, not you, Dorothy and Dylan were in Dorothy, his grandmother's backyard when this happened. She turned around to tie a dog, turns back, and he's just not there. Just not there, yeah. So with that being said, you know, um, the morning Ashley had dropped him off, she supplied a, a harness for Dylan and was, um, you know, um, Dorothy was given Pacific instructions to... Uh, Put on Dylan's harness if you bring the new puppy outside. Um, you know that Dylan's a runner, so, you know, keep an extra eye on him. And, uh, you know, if them things had been done, you know, Dylan would still be here. Um, so it's, that's living on its own. Yeah, that's that's hard. Um, the harness, people are probably like, a harness for your kid? With, with my uh, oldest son, when he was little, I would take him to the mall, and it was this thing that was kind of like a backpack with a leash. And he could just run wild, and I'd just hold the leash. Is that what you mean by harness? Yeah, very similar, yes. Okay. Because um, Dylan was a runner. He, 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 it was more of a game to him. Any chance he got, he would run away from you. So you know, Dorothy knew this stuff. Okay. So it was, it was nothing new. Yeah, and I, I know exactly what you mean by a runner as well. Like people who don't have kids or ha- haven't had a lot of experience with kids may not get that concept that some my oldest always stuck right close to me my youngest is the bit more the adventurous one and he is the type that if i was you know at the mall with him let's say or at walmart he would have no problem just you know taking off and doing his his own thing that's what you mean by a runner exactly um yeah so they're in the backyard she turns around comes back to deal with the dog comes turns her head back let's say or comes back and dylan's not there the the search for Dylan has largely centered around a sh- like a river or lake or stream that flows near her yard. Can you kind of describe like the geography of her backyard and how this lake or river plays into it? Um, so it's actually a brook, and the brook leads into Salmon River. So um, the uh, the boots were the brook's probably only two hundred meters, give or take. Um, behind the grandmother's house and is there any anything dividing it like if you're in her yard is there like a fence between the yard and the yeah. brook or is it just a field no there's a fence he would have had to run out onto the street and um the way dylan was in the area he was that we've learned from the stories that we've learned that he would have had to go out onto elizabeth street and he must have ran around the main street of queen wrapped around and headed up maybe the tracks or near the brook that way. It would have been the fastest way. Wow. And do you know, like, was is this a brook where, like, he would have went to, like, maybe she would have taken him down there to play or something? Like, would he know this that this brook is there? No. Um, apparently, Dorothy told the cops and everybody that she didn't even know the brook was there. And she didn't know the river was there uh, almost 12 years living there. Because I looked at at I looked at the area on on like Google Maps and stuff just to get a sense of 
where these this brook and the lake and Elizabeth Street and all this stuff was and and it it doesn't look like a at least looking at it on Google Maps it looks like a pretty significant like stream of water like how um if I'm sure you've been at the brook behind Dorothy's house where it's thought that he that Dylan ended up how would you describe that is it like is it the kind of thing you could like an adult could walk through or is this a pretty powerful piece of water on a normal on a normal day it's 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 ankle deep in some spots it's not a crazy rapid brook i mean flooding season around the time dylan went missing there were spots that were you know to your waist um but that would change frequently as you went down the brook and and the debris um the the debris would blow your mind um there were they call it fences in the in the brook where things should have got caught um, his first boot was actually found underwater in a shopping cart in the brook where it swirls. There's a spot where it kind of swirls around the bend and then comes back out. Mm-hmm. So all the water kind of pushes into this um, one corner, you know, over time made a hole. So the shopping cart was in the hole and the boot, the first boot was in that. So, you know, we had a retired RCMP officer. He came over and had a look right and one of the biggest questions were why weren't why wasn't Dylan in that shopping cart? You know that's where the water. A lot of things don't make sense. There's full size trees that were in that brook. That it. It's a tough one. That that's been a big mystery is that how he hasn't turned up. And I guess like for people who are listening or watching us that don't know the story, it's been a year now that people have almost a year now that people have been looking for Dylan, and largely focusing on this stream or this brook and you know and and where it leads it seems like there's been countless like random civilians like from the community doing their searches as well as the official search maybe first let's talk before we get too far into it let's talk a bit about like the official search in the days just after he disappeared like were you involved in you know being down on the water as they as they search like what were they how were they doing that and what were they doing to search um i snuck out at nighttime it was you know midnight early morning when i got out because everybody was telling me you're in shock you shouldn't be out there so mm-hmm. you know i didn't see a whole lot of it but um they used so many different resources they used uh you know, they had boats, they had underwater cameras, divers. They had uh, one canine um, dog, police dog. Um, I can't remember the name of the Toro police dog. Um, and by the way, that dog didn't show up until over an hour of my son's disappearance. So that's kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the helicopter fly at least, well, almost six days straight. And then they did it. A seventh and eighth time through the summer. Um, they had uh, training exercises where um, um, different uh, SARS from all over Nova Scotia came together and they they did a big search for Dylan back in the, the summer. I, um, I remember. Just, oh, sorry. I remember hearing about like um, a test that that was done where they were putting like a dummy in the water to kind of test where where the dummy would end up. Were you, do you recall that? Um, I recall that the it, it, it got them really no answers. Um, it actually didn't make it out of the brook. They actually had to take the weights out, and it would actually fetch up in a certain part by the train bridge every time. They actually had to push it out of the brook into the river 
and then follow it. it. It didn't go as well as they had thought. Yeah, so their plan would have been to put the the dummy in the water to imitate Dylan and and see where it ends up, but it wasn't even leaving that area. Yeah, and that was the the, the mouth to the river, right? Uh, they didn't put the the dummy anywhere near where Dylan went missing, or at least his first boot was found, because there's no way that dummy would go through the debris. Hmm. So interesting. Once again, it, it really didn't turn up any evidence in, in my mind. But with more questions. Of all the searching they've done, the, really the only thing that's been found, is it one boot or were both boots found? Both boots were recovered. Um, one was in the shopping cart and one was just before the mouth of the river. It was just under the train tracks, emerged, it was underwater. And is there any, like these are absolutely his, his boots? Like is there any question or is that for sure his boots that were found? They were 100% his boots. I actually have his boot right here, one of his boots. Um, they're a size 13. I know there was uh, a bunch of, I guess, cyberbullying, but um, the grandmother made a lot of mistakes in the description of Dylan, which we're pretty upset about. Like they, She, she bought these boots for him. Um, she had the, the color wrong. She said they were blue. Um, she she had a, a lot of she said they were size seven or thirteen. I remember back when people were asking me that, and I would agree, yes, they were size seven. But I was agreeing with the grandmother because as a father, like me and you both, we you don't pay attention to the size of your child's boots. The wife usually goes out and grabs them, you know. So. <laughs> I couldn't tell you either of my kids' shoe size. You're exactly right. Um, yeah, but why didn't she know? We don't know. Like. I don't know. Hmm. So, um, with the description was wrong, it was it was it was pretty hard. Yeah, and I I followed very closely from like from the moment it was shared that that Dylan was missing. This was a really sensitive time in Nova Scotia because we of course had the Nova Scotia arson and shooting rampage. Only weeks later, as you as you said earlier, is is when Dylan went missing. The- they call it the the shell shock of Nova Scotia, the disappearance of Dylan. Yeah, and between those two events, is really has led to it seems like half the cars in this province have a Nova Scotia strong sticker, and a part of that was just the the tragedy after tragedy that yeah. Nova Scotia was being hit by. And with Dylan's disappearance, I, w- I was really watching it, and at at first, it was a lot of the coverage was um, very hopeful, as if there was he was going to be found. But then only, I think it was about a weekend, the police announced it's switching from a search to a recovery mission. Did that, When that happened, did that have any specific significance to you? Like, do you recall that statement being made? And if so, can you talk about how you learned and how you felt when you heard that? That day, you want to know exactly what happened. That day when I found out about that, we were in the command center that they had set up in the, in the baseball field. So anyway, the chief and a bunch of these professionals were all in there. Me, Ashley, and I think my sister. And anyway, they were telling us how we're not going into a um, recovery. We're, we're not there yet. Um, not to worry. We're not giving up. We still have hope. And it was no more than a few hours later we found that out on the news. Not from the professionals, but the news. So it, it hit us like a, a truck. 
um, the feeling, the, the, you know, like, there, there's no way to describe the feelings, really. Um, it, it breaks you in every possible way. I can't even imagine. And, and at that point, like for that, say that first week, did you have a lot of hope that he was going to, that he was going to be found or, or, or was it pretty grim early on in, in your mind? Um, well, after so long, right. You, you start to think, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. You start to think how long can a child live out in this chilly weather? You know, diapers not changed, you know, it's, raining it's you know so you, you you're waiting for him to be found and you, you see the, the the rain going and you know it's you, you think the worst obviously like but at the same time you have hope so it's you're just in shock you don't know if you're coming or going um you know for a lot of people I, i've mentioned this but the the focus has been on the brook with the, the main story people talking about being that Dylan somehow found his way into the water and was swept away. Was there ever any reason to search elsewhere or for the, or for the um, investigation to lead in any other way? Or was that really the only theory that's been? No, a hundred percent that someone could have thrown the boots in the water. Who's to say that that, that didn't happen? Um, you know, uh, they say statistics of a three-year-old boy going into a body of water is 3%. So that's pretty damn low. So who's to say somebody didn't just scoop him up, right place, right time, and toss his boots and threw everybody off? Mm -hmm. It's possible, right? Just like that three percent chance on a on that's on search and rescue statistic handbook, right? So that's real statistics on a child going into a body of water. So you know it's very possible he could have been taken. Because um, there's there's no body, there's no Dylan, there's only boots in the water. So at mm -hmm. this point, it's possible. Um, and now this, sadly, and, and this is something else that's going to horrify people who don't hear a lot of stories like this, but you've received ransom demands, or your family, and, and or some members of your family have received ransom demands. And I've actually, I've heard that before more than once. Can you talk about, about getting that and where that led um so yeah we've had seven or eight maybe even nine of them now um but yeah some of them they're um they're horrible they're disgusting you know you get these ones and it, it almost you know they're their children beat up and they want you know a certain amount of money or we'll beat them up some more or we'll kill them in a certain amount of time um you know we've we've had phone calls where you know this tip was your son's out and um, I can't say where on public, but, you know, somewhere close by here, you know, they, they, I think they have your son, you know, the cops go, they actually raid the place and everything, you know, they're looking beyond walls, barns, you know, it, that's, I guess, not a ransom, but it was just a horrible tip, you know, get your blood going, you know, hopes and dreams and they just break. But um, we've had uh, ransoms of $10,000. We've had ransoms of like $40,000. We've had ransoms as low as $2,000. Uh, one guy wanted uh, $200 um, in a certain amount of time, right? It's it's ridiculous why people do it. Who knows? Well, the, certainly there's people who prey on the vulnerable. But to, to think that there's someone out there in the world 
who are looking for missing children uh, as a way to target their parents for two hundred or four thousand dollars is just I guess it just shows um the You don't realize what they're putting us through because mm -hmm. at first you think it's real. Wow, what is going on, right? Right down to the police station just to find out it's a fake account and you can never find out if it's real or not. So um and you mentioned the one tip or lead or whatever that led that gave you some hope and led to this big search that went nowhere. Has there been many tips or leads that gave you anything beyond just like sheer disappointment? Like, has there been st information that came in any way? You don't have to give the information, but I'm just wondering, like, how often you're getting information. At first, it was all the time. Um, every couple of weeks, we'd get a tip. Um, we've went in, we've watched videos, the child looks like Dylan, acts like Dylan, got a mask on, makes it tough, right? So, mm. you know, you're sitting there for a few weeks wondering, is that him that really looked like him? God, that's him. And then you get that phone call, that wasn't your son. And and think of getting that over and over and over again, and still today. You know, the just, the, just dealing with that alone is hard. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, the idea of like tips coming through, this is, you know, members of the public, in some cases, your community members, and not surprisingly, a, a missing child will lead to a tremendous amount of community involvement. Like I, I've already mentioned the idea of these civilian searches. It seemed like as soon as word got out that Dylan was missing, people were rallying to try to help. Uh, can you talk a bit about what your community has been able to do to, to support Dylan's family and you and Ashley? The community was great. Um, you know, right up until the Truro police shut it down. And for what reason, we're not sure. Um, they stopped all public searches. Yeah, I, I remember that in the news because the public, like people were organizing online to get in a group and, you know, walk down the, the, the brook or, 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 you know, I, I remember seeing a sheets where there was like grids and, and there were, planning searches of these different areas and then the Truro police asked them not to do that they, they yeah they told the public they put it in the news and everything not to search for Dylan or you know are you probably getting in trouble I'm not sure what the consequences were but you know but then you see in other providence, provinces where the, the cops aren't stopping the search and you don't see that post so it's and that's like in Nova Scotia too the same province right there's a few different things going on but, you know, like, goes for one, goes for all. So, you know, why were we shut down? And, you know, and then you see other authorities not shutting things down, which is great, which is the way it should have been. But why did we get shut down? I guess a lot of questions that I'll never get answers to. But mm -hmm. And is that still at this point? Like, it, I, I don't recall hearing recently of, of planned searches, but I guess in the winter it must be hard to do things like that. Are, are, are the public still involved in searches in any way? For the public, um, it's only, we search every weekend, every Sunday, doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, windy, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I almost, I go out almost every day. Um, hard not to, doesn't matter if there's snow or not. I fly my drone, I've got my license to fly, use the software to do grids and all that search and rescue stuff with them. But um, for the for the public, it's slowed right down. Um, you know, our groups never got as high as, you know, I think there was once it got as high as 40 people. 
but after that it was mainly seven people eight people every time mm-hmm. you know f- so for support for Turo, i wish it was a little better i definitely wish it was mm-hmm. now he's from the community so. mm-hmm. now something i i know this is sensitive and not something you can say a lot about but Community involvement in a case of a, of a missing person, uh, especially when that community is online in different groups and whatnot, there's almost always there seems to be a dark side of it. And that is uh, probably not more obvious in any other case, uh, any case more than than Dylan's. We don't need to get into it, but can you talk a bit about accusations waged towards you or Ashley early on in his disappearance? Um, right from the beginning, because everybody's seen the TikTok videos and all this stuff, you know, and the, it had nothing to do with anything. But it was just straight to Ashley killed him, Ashley did that, Ashley done that. And um, just to, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but the TikTok videos you're talking about, Ashley had... People were going through her old social media posts, finding yeah. videos and kind of flipping the context around to, to suggest maybe yeah. she was like, I, I recall there was one where she was like singing a song or something and the lyrics to the song made it sound like it was talking about like harm to a child or something. Is Am I, re- am I remembering yeah, that right? It was actually from the Tiger King. Um, it was, it came out on Netflix around that time. Um, we thought it was funny, so we, you know, she was making just little funny things on TikTok, and a lot of people did it. The only reason they teared Ashley apart is because, well, because uh, Dylan's disappearance a few days after, so they're just, they flocked over, and you know, they, I don't know, there's no words to describe these people. Mm-hmm. How did, like, do you recall, like, the first time where you're like, whoa, there's people online who are, you know, trying to trying to say that we had something to do with it do you remember like when that hit you that that was happening first week give or take um it it was crazy it was crazy enough that most of the family was trying to keep us off it you know and and you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it 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 was nasty um and it still happens today it's slowing down a bit but it's still they still got these groups and they're still think we're not doing enough or that I killed them or, you know, they've more or less, they're pointing their fingers at me now. So, you know, I guess everybody's taking their turn, you know, as first it was Ashley and then it was Norm, the grandfather. And then, you know, I guess now it's my turn. I don't know. Um, that, that is awful, but it's, um, I know we, we're not going to get into this, but this is before the courts at this point. Is that right? Yeah, that was those. Yeah. The parents of a toddler who disappeared last spring are taking their fight against cyberbullying to court. They allege they were targeted with online threats and false allegations about how their son disappeared. Ten months later, they say it's still going on. Dylan Ehler disappeared in May. His parents say cyberbullying has hindered their search. They blame Facebook groups now named in a civil action. The couple hopes the judge will order the groups to be shut down and award them damages under a new cyberbullying law brought in following the death of Retea Parsons. Tom Hurley is one of the administrators for one of the groups. I feel bad for them. I really do. But they, they also got to remember that we're not the only ones doing it. The only reason we're here today is because 
We didn't hide behind fake accounts like everybody else is doing. Hurley's page has already been taken down, but the couple worries it won't be permanent. Ultimately, they're able to open it and close it whenever they want at this point. And so we're looking for an order that they can't do that anymore. Like I said, I'm sorry that the family is going through that. Our intentions were to try to help them find Dylan and figure out what we can do next and all that stuff there. And it was going good from the beginning. And then something turned somewhere. The matter is scheduled to be back in court April 6th to set a date for a hearing. None of the allegations has been proven in court. Um, but for how it makes us feel, they're, they're just breaking us a little more every day. Um, you know, they're just making us look like worse people. You know, the, what I really want to get across is the impact they're putting on Dylan's searches. Mm -hmm. That is what they don't realize. So they're, 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 they're um, accusing us of this and that and, you know, making up stories and saying we're killers and God knows what else. But what they don't realize is the impact they're putting on Dylan. He wants to come and help us search, right? Mm -hmm. It's just muddying the water, so to speak, which I guess that analogy suits even better well, here because you you're searching. At, you can also look at it this way. Who wants to get involved with their drama? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have family members like my brother. Uh, he's actually got turned away from some jobs because of my drama. You know, it's not only affecting me, but it's affecting my family. I've had my sister get thrown into it for no reason. My younger sister... Someone made a post saying she's the bigger girl that kidnapped or ki kidnapped Dylan from New Brunswick. You know, so then they were attacking my sister, you know, and um, yeah, the public, they, they did a number, you know, they even had some of my family members believing in some of this shit, right? Yeah. You know, because they fell into it. They didn't know what to believe. Everything was happening so fast, you know, so yeah, they did a number to us. Yeah, people like it, the terminology people would often use is like an armchair detective or like a web sleuth, like a, a random civilian who, a person who is on the Internet in these groups who are working, you know, and it's a group of people working together trying to like, quote unquote, solve a crime. Often yeah. they're not using the checks and balances that a real investigation or like law enforcement would use. And it can very quickly turn into like, you know, a, a, a witch hunt. Um, and it's it seems like in a lot of tragedies, uh, such as what's happening with your family, that witch hunt seems the bigger the case and the more public attention it gets, the more ravenous that witch hunt is. And I don't know if like if you watch this sort of thing, but on Netflix, there was just a documentary called Cecil Hotel. And it was about this disappearance of a young woman named Alyssa Lamb who went missing in um, in the U.S. somewhere. But anyway, what ended up happening was it became this huge case and people online, web sleuth type people organizing in Facebook or wherever else were picking out random suspects and basically ruining people's lives when these web communities would set their sights on a specific group. Now, we won't talk a lot about the legal case that's going on, but it certainly seems like your family's an example of a local case that this has happened or has happened to. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, really. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I, I don't understand it, really. Like, why not just come help? I don't see what you can solve on Facebook unless you actually get your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. What are you um, doing for anybody? Like, mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about... 
Let's talk about how people can help. So if someone's out there, they know Dylan's story or they're listening to us talk now and they want to, you know, maybe they're in the area and they're not far from Truro and they want to help. How can people support you and Ashley and the rest of the people searching for Dylan? Ultimately, how can we support Dylan? You guys can support Dylan by by being there. If you're local, if you have just, you know, a free hour of time, you know, walk the waters, join our searches. You can join our Facebook page at... Dylan Ehler search updates, um, or you can go onto my profile, Jason Ehler, and share and you know see the public events for searching. Um, uh, just want to make sure they they. I just want to make sure they heard you. There's a Facebook group that you have where you're posting updates about the search. Is that the Dylan Eller search updates Facebook group? Dylan Ehler search updates. It's it's more than just that. You can follow. You can give your ideas. Um, you know, if you want to go through pictures of, uh, um, like I have drone images on there. I put them through the Lock Eight search and rescue, but then I share them on the group so other people can go through in case we miss something. Images, mm-hmm. DJI images, and um, anyway, it's it's a group for supporting Dylan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. That's and I should also mention this has been in the news a lot, but people locally may not have heard this. Is there is a pretty significant award reward being offered? Can you can you talk about the reward, how that came to be, and who ultimately would be paying that if if it's if it's given out? Um, if it's given out, it's in a it's in a it's in a bank account. So information is found. They go through the police and prove that it's Dylan or an article of Dylan's. You can have the money. What? How much money are we talking about? It's um, 18,000 18, something, I can't remember right off the top of my head, 18,700 or $18,007. And, and where did that come from? Was that like a donation or something? Like where did this reward come from? So originally somebody set up a GoFundMe and, um, you know, it was mainly for the, the for while we're looking for Dylan, um, because we wouldn't be working and, you know, it would help with the bills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing that, we put it into his reward and then other people donated. We've done fundraisers to add to it. Family members um, put money in towards it and we just eventually raised that much. That's that's good. Um, okay, well, people, I, th- I think uh, in, in any public searches, like if you're planning like a, a, a meetup or something for people to go, you know, search a certain area, That'll be happening. That'll be organized through the Facebook group. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, the only other thing I'll ask you, and this is um, a big ask because it's it's likely impossible, but just for someone, fortunately, a lot of the people listening will have never and will never experience anything like what you're going through. Even now, you know, 10 months-ish since your th- then three-year-old son had disappeared, how does this affect you? Like, how are you? I, I personally, just to give my experience, I couldn't imagine even be able being able to lift my head off of my pillow dealing with this. Like, how how do you feel going through this? It's really easy, really. It's the drive that you have for your child. So you think you would lay in bed and you would cry and your head would be in a pillow, but you wouldn't be. You'd be driven to find them. So. You know, it'd be different if my son got hit by a car. I'd know what happened. You would grieve and you would slowly, well, you would never get over it, but you know what I mean. 
But for this type of incident, the, you can't really grieve. It's every day, day one, every day. It's, 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 it's screwed up. <laughs> oh, it's um, certainly it, it, it wrecks you in every possible way. I, I, I don't even like people anymore after everything that's happened with the cyberbullying, with my son's disappearance, with the amount of support and everything else. You know, it slowly breaks you. Um, every day that goes by, it just breaks you a little more, you know. Yeah. You'll never be the same person again. And I should ask this as well. is like you, you had mentioned early on, at the time he went missing, you and Ashley were having a hard time, a difficult, a difficult period. Now you're, I guess you're forced to work together for Dylan's sake. Like how is that relationship if you're comfortable saying at this point between you and ashley it's turned right around we're very supportive of one another it's uh it's changed us um but at the same time it's a struggle you know because there's a lot of tension you know our son's missing so it's everything's uh everything's a fight not in a fight in a bad way but it's just everything's uh it never stops um you're just mentally exhausted. And and you had mentioned one last thing that I'm just be curious how you how you would explain this or how you would answer this. But you had signaled some doubt in the version of the story that that Dylan walks off and gets into the and, and ends up in the water. Like, are, but at the same time, you're talking about searching the water. Like, do you have doubts that that's that that is where he ended up or in your like heart of hearts, do you feel like he ended up in the water? You guys want to know how I feel about the whole thing? Like what goes through my head? Um, what goes through my head with the whole thing is I like rave from the grandmother. I believe that she neglected to watch him. And I believe that she turned her back for a lot longer than what she's saying. And I believe that he possibly did go into that brook. But to prove that, it's impossible. So one day you think, yeah, he probably drowned. Then the other day, well, no, he's alive. I can feel it, but you really just don't know. All I can say is I wish Dorothy had made better choices that day. I want to thank you for joining Jason Ehler and I for this difficult discussion regarding the disappearance of his three-year-old son, Dylan. Although we can only imagine how Jason and Ashley must feel, we can likely all agree that they'll feel a little bit better with some community support, and of course with an answer to their tragic mystery. If anyone listening has any means to help, be it by volunteering on a search team or offering up a monetary donation, I urge you to join the Search for Dylan Ehler Facebook group or contact me and I can connect you with Jason directly. The mystery of what happened to Dylan needs to be solved. Three-year-olds can't simply disappear. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I must say there were parts of this discussion with Jason that surprised me. Now, I went into this knowing that many parts of the story didn't make sense and seemed to defy logic and reason. But what really surprised me was the pointed criticism Jason directed towards Dylan's grandmother, Dorothy. I believe that she neglected to watch him. And I believe that she turned her back for a lot longer than what she's saying. And I believe that he possibly did go into that brook. All I can say is I wish Dorothy had made better choices that day. 
For the most part, Dorothy Parsons has remained a sort of mystery figure in this case. Most of what we know about her and her version of the events of that day come from second-hand sources, not from her directly. Well, in talking to Jason, it's clear to me that her version of the story is critical in understanding the events immediately leading to Dylan's disappearance. And in the next episode of Nighttime, we'll revisit this case and hear Dorothy's story directly from her. People think I'm um, into dark arts, um, satanic rituals, like that, you know, he wasn't really here, that, you know, his mother did something and I'm helping her cover it up. And there's just, um, I've gotten threats of people coming my way to beat the crap out of me, to leave me in a pool of my own blood to die. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Nighttime. But before we part, I have to give some thanks. First, I want to thank Jason for sharing a father's worst nightmare with us. Next, a big shout out to Monty Data for contributing the music to this episode. And lastly, a massive thanks to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider subscribing to the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll give you a lot more than what you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing the episodes on social media and letting like-minded friends know about what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas or if you want to give feedback on the show, find me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact or on social media. I use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm often live on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright. Jordan Bonaparte.